Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Gaia misses. Real Madrid are into the final. Pedri to win it for Barcelona, if he can put this in. He does, and we have a Clasico final of the Spanish Super Cup coming up on Sunday. Barcelona win the shootout, 4-2, and just like Real Madrid last night, they were nerveless when it came to the penalties. Hello everyone, and welcome to this La Liga Lowdown podcast. I'm your host, Matt Clark. Delighted to be joined by Tom Harris. How are you, Tom? Really good. Thank you, Matt. We've had a really entertaining game tonight. Really looking forward to, to chatting about it with you. Indeed. We've had the Supercopa semi-finals, And uh, as Luis Rubiales would have liked to have uh, designed, it is a Clasico final. Real Madrid against Barca in the Saudi sunset on Sunday. So we'll talk about that, of course. But first of all, let's kick off with that Barcelona semi-final. They beat Betis on penalties. Uh, Marc-Andre Testeg and the hero in the shootout, saving two of the Betis pens. But uh, it was an entertaining game before that. Two apiece, 1-1 after 90 minutes and 2-2 after extra time. Betis coming from behind twice. Really exciting in, in some parts of the game. Other Second half, not quite so good, but um, we'll talk about all that in a second. But what were your overall impressions, Tom? Yeah, really exciting game. Like you said, I was I was impressed with Real Betis and the you know the resilience they showed to get back into the game. I thought Barcelona started really well in that first half. I thought you know it looked really good and they were really fluid in that midfield and and the likes of Dembele and Rafinha you know providing the width. They, they, they look really really good, but you can't write this Real Betis side off and you know they'll be devastated to go home you know without you know being in this final. But I think that stands them in good stead for the rest of the season because they've shown that they can mix it up with with one of the two best sides in La Liga. Yeah, it was a pretty strong side Xavi put out and, and it also featured the two centre-backs that uh, Barca fans have been crying out to see together, Jules Koundé and Ronald Araujo. Despite some rumours that he had a bit of discomfort before the game, he started, he came through it, looked to be absolutely fine. Um, but again, they couldn't keep a clean sheet. It's a really strange uh, comparison. Barca, they've conceded many goals in competitions which aren't the league, but of course they're so solid in the league. Here is that exact stat. They've received 23 goals in 24 games this season. Of course, only six in 16 league matches, but 17 
in only eight games that aren't in the league. So that's Champions League, Supercopa and Copa. Of course, Bayern hit them for quite a few in the Champions League and Intercity last week in the Copa too. So can you explain why the, they seem to be so solid in, the, in La Liga, but not in the other competitions? Not really, to be honest. It, it is a weird one. I mean, I think the only thing you probably say is a kind of a chaos of, of cup football. And, you know, with the league, you know, you're, you're, you're playing these teams every week and you get into a bit of a rhythm. And then the cup comes along and into City, for example, um, with a completely changed squad and flying all the way out to Saudi Arabia for this game, you know, today. It's um, perhaps it's that kind of lack of rhythm and, and lack of being able to, to put, you know, a, a decent run of games together. But it, it is it's very strange. And, you know, I thought Stegen played very well today. I thought, you know, today in particular, they were unlucky to concede too because the first goal, I think Luis Enrique got a bit unfor- a bit fortunate rather with his assist. And the second goal it was, a, it was a stunning finish from Lode Morona, a back heel nutmeg. So sometimes you can't account for those things. But yeah, very, very strange. And from Xavi's perspective, he'll be hoping that kind of leaky, you know, goal conceding form doesn't, you know, start to crop up in La Liga. Absolutely right. And, yeah, you're right to mention those two players there. Luis Enrique, of course, scored a fantastic goal against Rayo at the weekend in La Liga. He was electric tonight, set up both goals. And the second goal in particular was a magnificent play. He kind of plays a 1-2 on the edge of the box. It gets looped over the top. He controls it well, crosses for Lore Moron. And this guy, he hasn't played since August, but he was there at the right moment to, to get Betis back in this. And this came after Ansu Fati's spectacular goal, which was worthy of winning any game. Um, but of course, yeah, Lore Moron showed that fighting spirit from Betis, as you mentioned, getting them back into into the tie. But uh, onto the penalties itself then. Um, yeah, Barca were pretty solid. I'm not quite sure about Frank Kessie's technique, but uh, they were generally very good pens. And, and as for Betis, well, I just test they can guess right on a couple of them and they made some solid saves, didn't they? Yeah, and I think we do have to talk about Testegen. You know, if, if we're talking not just about this game, but Barcelona's form in general. I mean, looking at last season, he underperformed his post-shot expected goals. So that's the amount of goals that are expected to go in based on the quality of the shots against him by 3.9. So that's almost four goals he let in, which he perhaps shouldn't have, according to the statistics. This season, he's overperforming that by 3.1. So that's the difference of seven goals. And you can see the confidence with him as well. He's uh, really good at his distribution again tonight. I think it was five out seven long balls completed two saves in that penalty shootout and, and as we've said you know that fought defensive form in La Liga is mainly down to him indeed his form has taken a comeback rather like his hairline I, I'd suggest <laughs> <laughs> on to the uh, the semi-final that took place on Wednesday evening and that was of course league champions Real Madrid against cup finalist Valencia uh, another similar kind of uh, image to the game really the favourites, Real Madrid, started well, scored in the first half through Karen Benzema's penalty. But then second half, it was very flat. They, they didn't really seem to be getting the right rhythm. And then Valencia hit back straight away in the second half. Fantastic from Samuel Lino. What were your thoughts on that game and, and kind of the comparisons really in the performances between Barca and Real? Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say that both sides weren't massively convincing. They both had their spells, as we've mentioned before. Barcelona in the first 30 minutes, I thought, were really good. And then they struggled a little bit in the second half and in the second half of extra time. Similar with Real Madrid. Um, you know, I think that it was a bit of a lapse of... It was a fantastic ball in from Tony Lato for the, for the equaliser. But also, it's just a few lapses of concentration. And we were talking about that defence for Barcelona. But if we're looking at Real Madrid, Thibaut Courtois was the man overperforming that statistic before that, that post-shot expected goals. He's now underperforming it this season. So it's kind of switched around completely. And, you know, 
Ancelotti's talked a lot in the past about pessimistic defenders and optimistic defenders. And, and one of those players that he labeled a pessimistic defender. So defenders who are very focused and really committed to make sure that nothing goes wrong and overly cautious is Nacho. And Nacho came back in for this game and he was playing unfamiliar position at left back and he, and he was absolutely brilliant. Um, two blocks, five interceptions, three tackles. And, you know, if you're looking at Antonio Rudiger and Ede Militao, perhaps Nacho is the man to come in and, and shore up that defence a little bit because, like we said, he's he's a very, very committed defender and perhaps he's that kind of steel that they need in the middle of that defence. Mm, expecting the worst at all times and, and accommodating for that. It's that old cliche though, isn't it? Forwards win your matches, but defenders and goalkeepers win your titles and championships. And perhaps that could be the deciding factor in the league this season. We'll, we'll obviously have to see how that pans out. But uh, again, a word on Valencia. I'd, I'd suggest that despite the fact Real Madrid won the game on penalties, I'd argue that Valencia probably come out of this game with more credit, don't they? Because they really performed, especially second half. And, and the youngsters were really impressive. Uh, Almeida, Fran Perez came on and looked really assured. Uh, what did you make of, of their performance overall? Yeah, like you said, the best thing about this Valencia team, I think, are the young players. They have so many of them who are so exciting. I mean, Yunus Musa had a fantastic World Cup and, you know, he wasn't brilliant yesterday, but there's youth and there's energy in that midfield. Um, Samuel Lino, I think he's taken the second most shots in La Liga, so a very, very positive player and he was rewarded with a goal. Yeah, I, th I think Georgi uh, Mamadashvili as well in goal was absolutely sensational as well. Um I think you've got to give credit to Valencia, especially, you know, for the way they've managed to replace um, Gonzalo Guedes, Carlos Soler. And, you know, they weren't expected to win this game, but, you know, they have come out of it with a bit of a bit of hope for, for the rest of the season. They can they can keep on winning games and maybe just maybe sneak into that European conversation. But, you know, if they finish mid-table with a couple of years that they've had, I think they'll be happy. Mm, potentially, yes. I I just think of those, you know, the emotions of the, of the game and, Poor old Sean Mayer, he, gives, he pays the penalty twice, doesn't he? He gives away the penalty with a bit of a rash challenge on Benzema in the first half. And then he balloons his penalty over the bar in the shootout, taking second, which was a bit of a surprise. And then, of course, poor old Jose Gaia. He, he's the tears in the cup final last season in Seville. And then he, he's injured and has to leave the World Cup squad just on the cusp of it beginning. And then, of course, in the Supercopa here, captain of the side, he takes the fifth penalty to keep them in the game. And it's, it's a poor penalty and he sees it saved. And yeah, you just really feel for the guy. And as Paco tweeted last night, though, it's 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 not about the result per se, as you said as well. It's more about the fact they gave everything and and really performed for the shirt and, and the badge. And I think that's the kind of bare minimum that fans want to see. And and I think Valencia fans will will come away with with, with some kind of pride, as, as you mentioned there. So that's that sets it up beautifully for Sunday, the final, another Clasico in the Supercopa, the most played fixture in the competition's history. It'll be the 16th separate game between those two sides, and it'll be the ninth edition in which it has been played. Real Madrid have an overwhelming dominance over Barca in the Supercopa, and if they win this final, they will equal Barca's 13 titles in the tournament. So very much um, on for Real Madrid to, to try and get that title. Barca, of course, will want to avenge their earlier season Clasico defeat in which they conceded half of all of their season's league goals against Real Madrid. Tom, what do you expect from that game? Well, it's going to be exciting, that, that's for sure. I mean, these two sides, there's no love lost between them, as we all know, and they've got some really you know, exciting dribblers on both teams. I think Rafinha, Dembele, Vinicius Junior, Rodrigo now back and, and playing kind of well on, on, on the wings, so... Going to be a lot of one-on-one -on -one battles in, in wide areas, which I think is going to be exciting. 
Fede Valverde, obviously Karim Benzema, Lewandowski are, are, are back and playing. You know, all all the players are there. You know, there, there's no suspensions really to worry about. There, there, there don't seem to be too many injury issues. And I think it'll be all guns blazing. I mean, but, you know, at the same time, I think, you know, Real Madrid in particular might have to be a little bit careful because if we're looking at their schedule, you know, obviously they've, they've flown all the way out to Saudi Arabia to take part in this tournament. They had a 120 minutes against Valencia. They've got potentially 120 minutes against Barcelona, at least 90. Then they've got a fly back. They've got Villarreal away. They've got Athletic Club away. And then they've got Real Sociedad, all in the space of 10 or so days. So it's going to be very, very intense for Real Madrid. And, you know, the way this season is, with such you know fine margins between the two sides, any any slip ups and any kind of tiredness could could be punished. So I think it's going to be fascinating to see this as a spectacle, but then also fascinating to see how both sides react from having to have played in it. If that makes sense. Yes. Uh, well, many people criticise Supercopa. That's an entirely fair assessment. Uh, Sam Leverage wrote a piece on our Substack lllonline.substack.com about the deal signed, which took the tournament to Saudi Arabia. So check that one out on our Substack, fresh content every day. Um, but yeah, we're looking forward to this game. It's, as you say, it's always uh, one to watch between Barca and Real Madrid. Just before we hit the break, though, we will talk about a player that's left La Liga, Xiao uh, Felix. He made his debut in the Premier League on Thursday night, uh, Fulham against Chelsea. We'll talk about the move in general in part two when we discuss Atleti's game against Almeria. But we actually recorded that before Xiao made his debut, if that makes sense. So it's our past, but your future listeners. But uh, yeah, on this debut, Zhao, he looked impressive in the early stages, but uh, then was sent off before the hour mark with a two-footed challenge on uh, on a Fulham player. So really not the ideal start, Tom, because that's that's a three-game ban straight away. Well, it's, it's incredible how much this loan deal costs to get over the line, uh, how many games he's going to play for that money, and now he's missing three of them. That's actually quite a significant chunk of what Chelsea have paid for. Um, but yeah, like you said, he did he did play well from what I saw. I mean, four shots on target, six shots overall. So so very positive. I saw a, a nice little dribble out wide where he, he nutmegged the uh, the fullback and um, set up a chance for Kai Havertz. He, he's an exciting player, and and you know, even if Chelsea, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Zhao not being able to perform without a number nine. Even if Chelsea don't get a number nine in in this January transfer window, I know they've been linked to Marcus Turam, for example. I think tonight showed that he can still play and it'll still be really, really exciting in the Premier League. That red card, you know, he has got that bit of a streak in him. A lot of players who have played for Diego Simeone's Atletico Madrid do, but he does need to rein that in a little bit if he's going to succeed in England. But the way he played before that, yeah, really exciting. Mm. Vamos a ver, as I say. Curiously, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang did not get off the bench for Chelsea in this game. So we'll see if he returns to La Liga in some capacity too. Bit of a merry-go-round with Memphis linked with Atleti as well. So, all of that, plenty uh, of rumours and things like that. We'll also have a, a Friday roundup on our Substack of all the transfers. That'll be a piece uh, scheduled every Friday in the month of January. So check that out for all the latest ins and outs from La Liga. Well, that'll do for part one. But in part two, there's plenty more to come because we're talking about the weekend in La Liga. And there's some massive games, including the Basque Derby and some huge games at the bottom. So stay tuned. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to this La Liga Lowdown podcast. I'm back here with Tom Harris. And now we're going to look ahead to the weekend's fixtures in La Liga, match day 17. Tom, there's some fascinating games coming up. There's only eight, of course, because of the Supercopa final on Sunday. But the headline is without doubt the Basque derby, isn't it? Yeah, what a game this has potential to be. I mean, La Real are in unbelievable form at the moment. They they were excellent away at Almeria um, last weekend. They nullified Almeria, who actually have one of the better home records in La Liga. Don't think Almeria had a shot in the first half, so it just shows how defensively solid and organised they are. Bryce Mendes will be back for this game as well after his short suspension, so that's a massive boost. He's been absolutely incredible for Real Sociedad. An athletic club, you know, they would probably leave a bit frustrated after that result against Osasuna. They dominated the play, but just couldn't convert that into many big chances. And yeah, obviously looking at where these two teams are in the table, add that to the rivalry, I think we're, we're in for a really feisty encounter. Yes, third against seventh in the table. Of course, Athletic missed the opportunity to go into the top four on Monday night. So there is six points between them. And uh, as you say, Athletic have now had two nil-nils in a row. Uh, coming into this one and they haven't won away at Anoeta since March 2017 Now that might sound like a long time but Iñaki Williams was already a year into his remarkable consecutive streak by then and this game will be his 250th consecutive match Wow <laughs> stat man match strikes again obviously um, that's, that's incredible um, yeah really looking forward to seeing him and, and Nico play together again there Again, they were really, really exciting. And Ikemuniain as well, we've got to mention him. He, he came off the bench against Osasuna and he looked really, really bright. And Muniain is actually underperforming quite a lot of his numbers this season. So he's, I think he's underperforming his expected goals output by about two, his, mm. his expected assists by about one as well. So once it all clicks for him, you know, he's, he created a great chance um, against Osasuna and Nico Williams put it wide. Once it all starts to click for him, I think I'd let Athletic Club are going to start, you know, climbing up the table again and, and scoring these goals. Yeah, it seems to me that compared to, say, last season with Marcelino, that Munayin doesn't quite have the same protagonism in the team. Do, do you think that's fair or do you think 
it's just a case of it isn't quite clicking. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I think when you look at this athletic club team now, there are more attacking players who are getting involved. I mean, Oyen Sanset, for example, is, is a very interesting case of kind of this hybrid, you know, defensive midfielder and then arriving late, his Yegada into the area. And then Nico coming through as well. There are all more focal points in this athletic club attack now, I'd say. But yeah, you know, you can still see the quality when Nico Moniain gets on the ball and, you know, he's, he's, he's really, really dangerous. And I think he's probably their biggest hope against uh, La Real because, as we've said, they're dominating games. Bryce is fantastic. David Silva, you know, at 37 years of age, he became the oldest player to score on his birthday in La Liga last weekend, 37 years old. Really, really looking forward to this. And like you say, Anueta, the atmosphere is always fantastic on Derby Day. Indeed. And that may or may not have been a question in our recent quiz, which you compiled for our Substack, llonline.substack.com. We've got fresh content every single day, including quizzes and profiles and previews. So check that out if you haven't already, and it's absolutely free to subscribe. Before we move on then, Tom, quick prediction for this game. Lariel looking pretty strong, but athletic. They did win the last fixture 4-0 at back at San Mamed. So that kind of, Real Sociedad will want revenge for that one, but uh, will they get it? Yeah, don't don't want to overlook Athletic Club too much because, like we have been saying, they're probably due a couple of goals. So they were unlucky not to win against Osasuna two 0 nils in a row. But I think at home at Anueta, Lariala will be too strong. I'm going to say two 0 here. Mm. I quite fancy a draw in this one, I have to say. So we'll see we'll see which of us is closer to the outcome come uh, come Saturday night. But it's an absolute must watch, and that is definitely the headline of the match day. But there's plenty more besides. Uh, speaking of which, Atleti, they travel to Almeria on Sunday and they will be without João Felix because just three days after he played against Barca, he's already gone. He's at Chelsea now, on loan until the end of the season, having extended his contract until 2027. What are your thoughts on it? Is it the right move? I, mean, I think for Atletico Madrid, I think they've done really well out of this um, because... You know, a lot's been made over the last couple of seasons of this, you know, tense relationship between Joao and between Diego Simeone. And I think just to have that intense scrutiny relieved for the rest of the season it is, is only going to be good news. You know, there's less pressure. You know, every time Joao Felix stepped on the pitch for Atletico Madrid, everybody was looking at how many minutes he was playing, where he was playing, how Diego Simeone was using him. And suddenly that, that's gone for the rest of the season. So I think that's, you know, really good news for Atletico Madrid, as good a player as Joao is. But also, they actually, you know, they're getting money for this. They're getting 11 million euros uh, as a loan fee. They've signed him as a contract extension until 2027. So, you know, he could come back. And if he does come back, let's say hypothetically, Diego Simeone isn't the Atletico Madrid manager anymore. He comes back to a fresh team, fresh ideas, and maybe he can become a bit more of a protagonist, you know, in his second stint. So I think it's all positive for Atleti and, you know, as good a player as Joao is, they will miss his quality at times, but they won't miss that kind of intense, you know, focus on Joao and Diego Simeone throughout the rest of the season. Mm. Joao, you're gone. I was saying in the group chat earlier that uh, I had the, the base hunter tune in my head all day uh, after that news. So you can have that, listeners, uh, a nice earworm for you. But um, yeah, as we say, I'm not sure Diego Simeone um, knows his love was strong. Um, that's the other big news, though, isn't it? In, in terms of Atleti, uh, I think it was El Chiringuito uh, broke the news that, uh, well, they believe Diego Simeone will not continue next season. Of course, we know it must take a pinch of salt for El Chiringuito, but that would be an absolutely seismic transition, wouldn't it, Tom? Yeah, it really, really would. You know, you, you can't underestimate the, you know, 
the impact that Diego Simeone has had at Atletico Madrid, he's revolutionised the club and they are synonymous with him now, the way they play and, you know, it's their identity. Cholismo is, is Atletico Madrid and it has been for the last 10 or so years. So be a massive change, but, but there are some, you know, really exciting managers, you know, on the market at the moment and someone like Luis Enrique at Atletico Madrid would, would be, you know, mouthwater and prospect. You know, there's plenty of things that could happen and plenty of directions that Atletico could take. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out in the next few weeks and months as the season continues. Um, if you want more on that, our colleague Sam Leverage was on Into the Calderon chatting with Jeremy Barron about that and plenty more. So Atleti fans, do go and check that out for plenty of in-depth chat on, on all things Zhao and uh, Diego Simeone, of course, too. Uh, back to La Liga action. Friday night, it all kicks off. Uh, Celta against Villarreal, really attractive looking game. Plenty of um, ballers, as the youngsters say in this one. Um, some interesting news as well on Friday, Oscar Mendez from Relevo revealed that uh, Hugo Mayo is uh, seriously considering leaving the club in the summer, another you know, legend of the club. Um, that would also be a pretty seismic shift for Celta. But uh, in terms of this game on Friday night, Villarreal are looking very strong, aren't they, Tom? But uh, Celta had their first win under Carvajal last week against Elche. Um, yeah, it should, be, it should be an entertaining one on Friday night. Yeah, I mean, you know, particularly of the Emery era, you know, this is exactly the kind of game that Villarreal would lose. <laughs> you know, they, they'd beat Real Madrid and play fantastically well. Everyone would think they'd be on the top four charge and then they'd drop points, you know. I mean, one that sticks out to me was uh, Elche a couple of seasons ago. They were 2-0 up at half-time and they, they ended up drawing a game 2-2. That's the kind of thing Villarreal did. They seem to have turned the corner on the Setien recently and obviously, the, you know, that result on the weekend was seismic, but... You know, it's early days. We'll have to see if he can continue with this good form. But yes, Celta, I, I, you know, they played really well last week. And I thought against Elche, Gabri Vega in particular was really, really good. I mean, he had three shots on target that game. If you, if you look at the shots he's had since he's come back from the World Cup, that's four, three, three, five. So he's always very positive. He's getting into those areas. And I think he could cause Villarreal problems. There's also Strand Larsen as well. I really like their, their um, Danish forward up front, their Norwegian forward up front, sorry. He's actually La Liga's biggest XG underperformer officially now. He's, he's, he's still yet to score from 2.8 expected goals, but he has had two disallowed and he's hit the woodwork a few times. So I think a goal's coming for him as well. Lots of storylines to look out for. And yeah, Jeremy Moreno back in this Villarreal side, he makes him a lot, lot stronger. Any game which features Yago Aspas and Jared Breno, I'm going to watch it. Uh, and we recommend you do too. On to Saturday, uh, Real Valladolid kick off against Rayo. Uh, Pacheta's side have lost their last three in the league. Very fine margins. It was that last minute winner from Abdon Prats uh, with Mallorca the other day. So they'll be looking to bounce back. Of course, Rayo lost to Betis at home. Uh, they too will be looking for a reaction. How do you see this one, Tom? It could be could be a bit of a low-key belter. 100%. I mean... Rayo are one of the best teams to watch in La Liga. We've been beating that drum for a long time. Um, Izzy Palathon, again, uh, unbelievable against Real Betis. So unfortunate to have that goal disallowed because what, what a goal that would have been. Unbelievable. Um, but yeah, they're playing some great football. And, you know, we were just saying before we came on air, they lost to Real Betis last weekend. And, you know, but they're, they're still actually only three points off seventh place. Um, Rayo, you know, you kind of think of them as a mid table to lower mid table side, but they're in that race. And, you know, if one of the top seven wins the Copa del Rey, then an extra place becomes available for the Conference League. So, you know, seventh place could be enough for, for Rayo to sneak into Europe. And what a story that would be. It certainly um, would. 
and yeah, looking at Valladolid as well in, at Soria in, in front of um, you know their own fans that they've been electric this this season. Pacheta is really knows how to whip that stadium up into a frenzy. And I was looking at the average shots taken and every game, you know, looking at the games of a Soria this season, there have been 25 shots on average per game at the Soria. And, you know, we know how Rayo play. We know Rayo Valladolid are desperate for a result. I really think this has all the hallmarks of, yeah, like you said, a bit of an understated belter. Mm. There's so many intriguing games coming and that is followed by Girona-Sevilla. Uh, can Sevilla make it back-to-back wins for pretty much the first time all season or will Girona get an important result at home? Yeah, I mean, Sevilla, they got the massive win against Hitafe, and I suppose that was all that really mattered because they had to win that kind of, you know, CLC, as they say in Spain. But they weren't entirely convincing, were they? I just, I'm still not quite sure if if this Sevilla is really going to kick on or if they're still going to be in this in this battle for for the rest of the season, basically. What do you think? No, I completely agree. I, I was expecting Sevilla to win that game against Hitafe. I thought it was, you know, a favourable opponent at, at home. They finally needed to break that duck at home, and they did. But I was very surprised at how laboured it was and how difficult it was for them to eventually get over the line. And you know, against Celta as well in that first half. You know, the first game back from the World Cup, the first half they were they were dominated by Celta, and they, they probably should have gone more than one goal down. They managed to rescue it in the second half. They've not looked convincing at all, and, and this is a tough test because. Girona, you know, they were lucky at Espanyol last weekend, but they're a good team and, and they knock it about well in the middle of the park. Alish Garcia, another player we've been talking about a lot this season, has been fantastic. Um, Tati Castellanos has, has scored a few goals recently as well. This is a tough game for Sevilla and they need to start winning because, like you say, they're still in that fight. And if the likes of Celta get a result this weekend and other teams down there, Espanyol and Hitafe are playing each other, one of those will get some points. They're straight back into the relegation zone again. Mm. Yeah, by no means out of the woods yet, despite getting that massive win at home last week. Well, the precursor, the appetizer for the Basque derby is in Pamplona, um, almost Basque, um, in Navarre. It's Osasuna against Mallorca, probably two of the overachievers so far this season, certainly in terms of the way that the, the sensations around the teams, I would say. I mean, Osasuna, very hard to beat, and Mallorca just going from strength to strength with, with their incredible talents up front. Um, Ricci, we've spoken about Kanjini many times, although he might be leaving, which would be a huge blow. Um, yeah, could either of these sides be in the conversation for Europe, do you think? I mean, this is going to be another decent game, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. Um, I mean, first and foremost, I'd be very sad if Kangin Lee left. He's one of my favourite players. I absolutely love his link-up with Morici uh, for Mallorca. Yeah, I think Osasuna, uh, they have the grit. I think they they have what it takes to to grind out these results. And, you know, as we saw when they travelled to um, San Mamés last weekend against Athletic Club, they, they were battered for a lot of that game. They were definitely, you know, the, the, the second best team in that in that fixture, but they held on and they and they, they ground out that result at a very difficult place to go. And at home at El Sadar, this is the first time they're at home since after the World Cup. They've been largely very, very good. So win this game against Mallorca and yeah I think outside of the traditional sides you know outside of the likes of Real Sociedad, Real Betis, Villarreal I'd say Osasuna are the best place side to you know mix up that European race. Mm. Yeah they've been kind of punched above their weight for a couple of seasons now just progressing season on season under Diego Barasate and I think it would be a real reward for them to to finish in the European place and of course they're still in the cup so that to look forward to as well. On to Sunday, then you've already touched on it. Getafe Espanol, massive game at the bottom. I reckon the pressure will really be building on the, the coach that loses here, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I see this one as a battle of the um, the, the big strikers at the bottom, really. You know, Enes Unal and Jose Lu are both so, so important for, for their two respective teams in terms of the goals they score and how important they are in the way they play. And I think whoever, you know, which one of those players performs best in this game will probably be on the winning side. Um, Hetafe, again, you know, they're, they're very difficult to beat at uh, the Coliseum. Um, but just not quite clicking at the moment. Borja Mayoral has, has clicked into gear a little bit recently, so maybe he gives him a bit of hope. But yeah, two managers under pressure. I'd say, you know, Diego Martinez at Espanol, there's more of a project there. He's a younger manager. They they brought him in with the aim for him to, to stay for a while and build something. So I'd say he'll have more time than Kike Sanchez-Flores. But yeah, another really, really important game. And, you know, after we finish speaking about this one, there's one more very, very important game as well. You know, it's very congested at this bottom of the table. And this weekend, we'll have a big say in how it goes. Well, you touched on it there, Tom. That huge game at the bottom is between 18th and 20th on Monday night. Cadiz against Elche. Cadiz still in the bottom three, but only two points from 13th as it stands right now. So a huge game. And, and Elche just celebrated their centenary a couple of days ago. They will really need to, you know, want to mark this with a win. They, they need wins and fast. Yeah, I mean, they're on four points still. It's incredible. That's 16 games are still yet to win a game and they're currently 10 points adrift at the bottom. A great chance for Cadiz, I think, here, because after that unbelievable win last week at Mestalla, they look very organised, they look very well drilled. Um, and I think to take on the side like Elche, who look as hopeless as they do at home, and like you said, if they win, they you know they go above. Well, as it stands at the moment, they will jump up to 12. So that, that's incredible. It shows how tight it is down there. And yeah, good opportunity for Sergio's men to, to get themselves out of this rut. The final game of the weekend in La Liga terms is Almeria Atleti. Already spoken about Zhao, of course, but... Uh... Uh, do you see Almeria getting back on the horse at home or will Atleti, without Zhao, be able to continue their at least positive performances? Yeah, I think this is quite an interesting one, actually, in that, you know, we were talking before how Real went to Almeria and, and won comfortably. I think this is a good benchmark for Atletico Madrid. If Atletico Madrid go and, you know, perhaps don't win, lose the game, looking a bit in disarray and Almeria beat them, then we can see the difference between a side like Atletico and a side like La Real, who look a lot more settled and perhaps... The best place team to you know take their you know traditional third place uh, spot. So I think that'd be a really important subplot. Almeria were disappointing against uh, Real Sociedad last time out, but they they had won four games in a row at, uh, at the Powerhorse Stadium before Lareal came to town. So they're a very strong side. I like the new signing of uh, Luis Suarez up front. I think he's a very busy striker who will add a lot of you know goals to 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 this side and a lot of pressing as well. He's a very very, very tireless runner. So, yeah, I think this is dangerous for Atletico Madrid. I think it's a game, obviously, the type of game they should be winning, but let's not underestimate Almeria here because they're very strong in front of their own fans. Indeed. That just about wraps it up for our podcast today. Thank you very much for your insights, Tom. We'll look forward to this weekend of action, as well as the Supercopa final, of course, on Sunday night. But uh, for now, from all of us here, enjoy the weekend and adios. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 